0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Business Line Podcast. I am Nivedita Varadarajan. I have with me today Madhavi Arora, who is the lead economist at MK Global Financial Services to help us understand what we can expect from the Q3 data, which will be published on the 28th of February. Thank you so much for joining me, Madhavi. Thank you so much for inviting me here. If we take a look at the Q3 numbers, what can we expect from the Q3 numbers this time around?
1: So, you know, we we expect the GDP growth for this quarter to have slowed to close to 5% from 6.3% in the previous quarter. And uh, GVA closed to around 4.7% from 56 the previous quarter. Because uh, that's also on account of the fact that we are now going to be seeing the favorable base effect sort of fading. And uh, I think uh, when you look at the breakup of um, agriculture, industry and services, uh, I think industry, gross value add will move back into expansion territory where we're expecting the industry to grow to around 2.8% to 3% range from a contraction of 0.8% that we saw the previous quarter. And uh, uh, while services, even though uh, is likely to slow uh, in this quarter, if I see versus the previous quarter, um, uh, you know, probably in the range of six and a half percent on a value added basis, uh, I think uh, a large part of it is coming on account of, uh, you know, base effect fading on trade hotels and service transportation communications uh, segment, which is leading, you know, this this sort of a slower Uh, annualized growth in uh, these territory but overall i think we are poised to look at around 4.7 percent of value add uh, basis and close to around five percent for the quarter uh, which also makes me feel that uh, we will be able to most likely you know match the seven percent gdp growth target that uh, the government has you know sort of put in its first estimate
0: so where can we expect q4 to be seeing that we are starting with q4
1: So Q4, of course, uh, will be contingent on how we come out with in terms of the Q3 numbers. I think Q4 will further slow down because of the same base effect um, led uh, themes. And I think it could probably be uh, you know, somewhere close to 4.8% on the value on GDP basis, the one value added, I think, somewhere close to around 4.3, 4.4%, 4. 4.4% 4. kind of a number. So there'll be a, you know, a secular a slower growth in the upcoming quarters. Uh,
0: you spoke a little bit about uh, what we can expect from each sector. Is there anything we can find uh, uh, about particular sectors doing well? What sectors will do well in Q3 and in Q4? So basically,
1: if I see the on Y&Y basis, I think to a large extent, uh, see the con- continuation of growth has been coming from service sector, which had, uh, you know, been enjoying the gains of full uh, reopening, uh, you know, momentum. Mm-hmm. And even though uh, across uh, sectors, we will see a slower growth, at least in this quarter, which is December quarter, still services is leading the pack with close to around 6.5 to 7% under 7% kind of a growth, which is slower than what you saw in the previous quarter, but still. Uh, I think uh, much higher than the other sectors which are essentially agriculture industries and within industries say manufacturing and mining which Probably have been still, uh, you know, sub five in general. So,
0: what explains the fact that uh, sectors like the mining and manufacturing is a little sluggish?
1: No, so I think uh, generally, uh, to, to some extent, it's obviously a base effect, and mm-hmm. uh, the kind of corporate value add that you have seen in these sectors uh, on a real basis have not been very strong. that's none of the reasons why, on a sequential basis, you would see uh, a little different picture, but. Um, Uh, I think say for manufacturing, if I say on a quarterly basis, given the fact that the, the, you know, the cost of production actually had come down, the input costs sort of come off, the margin actually improved on sequential basis. But on Y&Y basis, of course, uh, because of the base effect, uh, you know, they're not looking as robust. But nonetheless, you know, you are seeing it coming back to a positive territory of around 3.2, 3.3 percent as against very sharp contraction of more than 4.3 percent in the previous quarter. How
0: much uh, of the global economic slowdown slash gloom, how much does that have a role to play in this? In
1: this, I think the global slowdown is still not uh, very, you know, it's, it's not something which is uh, you know currently impacting in a very uh, meaningful fashion of course uh, there has been a slower growth trajectory for the past 6 months or so But it has been very slow and steady instead of being very sharp and shock driven. So I think uh, the percolation of the global, slower global growth, which is still a growth in uh, in a positive territory, has been coming via lower exports. At the same time, India also has seen now, you know, lower imports as well. So on net basis, the net drag at this point is still more uh, owing to uh, slower exports than than slower imports. But I think going forward... You know, imports will also sort of slow down, given the way uh, Indian economy is going to sort of normalize to a you know suboptimal level. So I think at this point uh, the spillover is essentially coming from the exports side, but uh, there hasn't been a meaningful growth contraction uh, uh, as yet, which could have uh, implications for India in the immediate run. But of course, as we go ahead into the next year, there's a lot of volatility in you know global growth themes. You don't know how tight it could really get for the policymakers and the kind of sacrifice ratios that you. You may end up seeing that there's a big contraction in global growth that, uh, you know, ends up coming. I think India would not be spared. And uh, even with a the lag, uh, there could be a repercussion which is coming either via trade route or via financial sector routes in, in, in an economy. So what can
0: the government do to cushion the industry against such a
1: tsunami? The policymakers will just give you support, right? I mean, at this point in time, they don't even know what it is going to be like. So you can give them artificial support, like you can give them, you know, export levers, import levers here and there. To ensure that the percolation of the pain is not fully passed on to the producers and then to the end consumer, somebody still loses in that. No Government is also an economic agent in the end. Yeah, It's not like someone who's uh, having surplus money in hand to support, right? Obviously, they're not profit-making agencies. But the government also loses its savings. Somewhere, it sort of comes back through the current account deficit route. Are
0: there some sort of prevention mechanisms that they can
1: take? At this point in time, they're not going to do anything except for taking care of the basic hygiene. On exports, they can probably... Come out with some kind of uh, duty adjustment and stuff like that, if that is what is hampering them. They anyway are doing long-term structural measures, which essentially improves the productivity uh, of the economy in general. Especially their kind of PLI schemes that they are running across sectors. They are going to be showing results only in the medium term. Or new FTAs that they're going, uh, you know, they're negotiating with uh, trading nations which also keeps India's interest uh, in mind and the welfare of the state overall. So all those things uh, are anyway being taken uh, into account. And uh, I don't think they are doing any kind of immediate measures with regard to recession in the world and how it would impact us, because at this point, there is a lot of uncertainty as to how it will pan out globally.
0: What role does inflation play uh, in the What can we expect? Can it cool down?
1: Inflation will cool down. At this point in time, in the near term, you're looking at inflation being more sticky, Mm -hmm. partly on account of the fact that the food inflation is not flaring up, especially cereal inflation. Uh, There were also some statistical anomalies that uh, may have played their part in making inflation look a little more overinflated. But that said, at least in the near term, you are looking at inflation staying sticky at 6% plus, uh, Mm -hmm. which means that uh, you know, RBI may actually miss its fourth quarter uh, FY '23 expectation of uh, inflation by at least 40, 50 BIP. and that essentially will imply that policymakers will not uh, be comfortable, um, sort of uh, keeping their you know policy stance you know neutral at this or or stagnant at this point in time. And most likely, will go in for another rate hike, um, uh, moving into the next policy. So, and that obviously comes from the fact is uh, that uh, you know you are seeing the global or developed market central banks sort of, uh, you know, getting into a little uneasy mode when they're seeing that their economies are still being very resilient despite massive rate hikes that uh, the economies have experienced over the last uh, 9 to 12 months. So I think to that extent, I think there is a bit of a policy response function which will come both from external accounts and on on account of domestic inflation um, uneasiness, which essentially will imply that RBI may continue to hike rates uh, as we get into uh, the next policy, and probably even ahead.
0: When the RBI uh, increase rate, the interest rates will uh, increase, right? So companies and businesses are not incentivized to take out loans. So that will uh, hurt the economy, right? What's your take? There's a trade off in everything.
1: That's exactly the whole argument. Where do I stop? So basically, inflation also hurts the economy, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to take the sacrifice ratio in mind that what hurts me more? Mm. That's exactly the. If you're following the Reserve Bank, how is it, or, or the MPC minutes, why are they different for? Uh, in You know, uh, the the internal members of the Reserve Bank and the external members, both of them have a different view as to whether inflation is hurting them more or the policy action will hurt them more. Because a very high inflation also leads to a lot of inflation uncertainty in the system and leads to business decision getting, uh, you know, further shifted because your real policy rate is what matters in the end for you, right? And uh, uh, if a very high inflation is also very, uh, is equal into an unstable economic growth. So somebody can also argue that a very high inflation is not something that I would want and I would want to control inflation and make it more comfortable for me to have a stable domestic uh, 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 price environment to be able to, uh, you know, foster more better growth. Right. So that at this point, the whole debate is that which which part of the world is actually right? You know, are you over tightening? Uh, to some extent, I think we, I also have this fear that we may end up over tightening partly because, you know, unlike the developed markets, which are, uh, you know, going in, in the rate hikes freeze, their labor market is extremely strong, you know, extremely tight, the wages are pretty much uh, in a positive territory at this point in time, on a real basis, plus, uh, the employments are much higher and much sharper uh, in terms of the uh, you know the V-shaped recovery that they have seen, but um, emerging markets are not seeing this kind of a tight labor market. So they could they could be probably in a situation that six months down the line, because there's always a lag between monetary policy actions and uh, and the impact on the real sector. Uh, there could be a situation where maybe six months or nine months on the line that they would, there could be a much higher demand destruction than the policymaker actually intended to. Uh, but given the kind of loss of, uh, you know, the relationship between inflation and output that you've seen in the world in the last uh, decades or so and, and the reemergence of the same in the last uh, one and a half, two years, I think most of the inflation models of central banks around the world have really gone haywire. So the kind of sacrifice issue one is talking about or the trade-off between growth and inflation that one is talking about may not turn out to be as perfectly envisaged by policymakers as, uh, you know, as probably they had thought. So I think there's a big risk of them either underestimating or overestimating their understanding of uh, growth destruction. But I think to what I'm understanding at this point in time. Most policymakers around the world, including the RBI, would want to err on the higher uh, side on the policy rate than on the lower side of the policy rate, which means they are aware that there's going to be a bit of a demand destruction that will happen. But uh, they want to take the risk of uh, you know, controlling inflation at this point in time than immediately taking care of the growth risk, which at this time are not looking to be very real.
0: So recently, RBI uh, MPC member Jayant Varma said that the monetary tightening could compress demand, right? So you also spoke about the risk. Are we in a place where uh, if, if the demand is over-compressed, can we come out of it quickly?
1: It depends where we end up. That is a, a subjective matter. I don't know where it will end. So it's all, everything in the air. How much destruction that, that we actually end up seeing? What is the sacrifice ratio that we end up seeing back home versus back in the West? It's all in the air. Nobody knows where it is all ending. There is no end game which is in sight at this point in time. Let's put it at as simple as that. Is that a cause of worry for companies around in India? People are not sure where it will end. At this point, India looks to be a bit of a resilient play, which is also with the clearest case with the world because the slower growth expectation have not really played out to the extent, uh, you know, they were looking to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And India has also remained relatively resilient. But obviously, we are seeing patches of lower growth in rural as well as urban area also now um but that is obviously a worry so you take your uh, you know your choice which whether you want to target inflation or growth
0: finally i like to ask you uh, about the upcoming year the fy 23 24 what can we expect next
1: so i think as i said uncertainty from the rest of the world how it spills um uh, spills back home uh, that is the most important worry uh, mm-hmm. as i said there is no end game in sight for me uh, mm-hmm. from the global uh, policy repricing that is happening every month We still do not know, you know, how fast the global deceleration is going to play out. Are we going to be seeing uh, disinflation or deflation in the next 12 months or so? And if, uh, you know, inflation uh, deceleration comes, um, uh, you know, along with a relatively stable growth, uh, probably we are in a Goldilocks, which uh, probably everybody's thinking is going to be the case. But now they are, uh, you know, I think renewed fears with regard to um, the kind of growth resilience that could refeed into inflation and policymakers probably becoming more proactive uh, and prompt on um, their policy tightening measures, which will be the case for the RBI because then there will be sort of a strong arm by the West in terms of following suit um, and that could lead to a much tighter monetary policy regime back home and that will again lead to a lower uh, domestic demand uh, uh, because of tighter monetary policy apart from that a fiscal policy also is constrained because you know incrementally we are looking at fiscal consolidation only happening mm-hmm. uh, which essentially implies the fiscal multipliers are going to be less 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 uh, you know much lesser effective than uh, in the previous regime when the policymakers were easing their fiscal stance um, so basically the only hope is again coming from investments Um, consumptions or exports right so I think private consumption will be again a function of how the incomes grow which I think are still looking to be now easing rather than going up while investment is still I think uh, you know elusive at least private investment and thus I do not think that uh, you know it would uh, turn around in, in a year of uncertainty and especially when we generally know that investment and consumption go hand in hand and I have a sense that uh, most uh, uh, you know, uh, new projects would be under scrutiny as to whether they would want to take the risk of expanding in a year of uncertainty where interests are going up, inflation is high, policy uh, regime is not very clear and growth expectations are not uh, very clear. So I think investment could be a bit of a tricky sense and exports, of course, will be hit by the slower growth recovery that or slower growth globally that you would see, which could also lead to a recession for all, you know, uh, in the next six months or so. So I think uh, we don't have many strong levers as such. That's why policy support becomes even more important. Uh, So there would be a very real chance that you would probably end up um, the next year uh, in comfortably a sub six print, which will be more like a five and a half to 5.7%.
0: Thank you so much for joining us to explain what we can expect.
1: My pleasure.